We cry in the night with not a song to sing. But one I know you're not supposed to have like favorite cousins, but she's my favorite cousin. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, 
I love Ginny so much, and going down to Mike and Ginny's on Friday nights, we have such a wonderful time. They are such godly servants. And can't we thank the Lord collectively today that our trials are just for a little while? They come to pass. They won't last forever. And one day, we'll leave this scene and go home to be with the Lord. We'll say goodbye, world, with all its pain and toil and struggle. And hello, Lord, and all the saints in glory. I can't wait. It's going to be fantastic. Before we begin the message this morning, shall we just look to the Lord in a word of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've placed us here on this earth for a reason and for a purpose. And we pray that we will be a blessing to others, Lord. And we pray as we go through these trials and difficulties and hardships of life, help us to realize they're just for a little while. They're for our good, Lord. They're for our growth. We need them to draw near to you and to to have that faith that keeps going even in the midst of adversity. And we pray now that you'll hide me behind the cross. We pray that the words are spoken will be your words and will bring great encouragement to our hearts and challenge our hearts today and, and guide us in all the truth. We pray that the Holy Spirit will move and work in all of our lives. And we commit this time to you now in Jesus' precious name. You know, life is not a series of random events that just seem to happen or, or come by fate or luck or something like that. For the child of God, for you and I, God has a plan. And his plan is perfect for you and it's perfect for me. It's no, nothing random about it. What God does in our lives and what he allows in our lives is just right for us. We may think it too much of a burden, we may think we can't handle it, but he never gives us more than we can handle. Because why? He gives us the grace, that sweet, amazing grace that we need every day to handle it. Whether you're a school teacher or you work at the NUMI plant or you work or you're retired or you're a homemaker or wherever you are, God loves you and he loves me. He has a plan for us. And the first part of his plan has to happen. We have to get saved first. We have to. If we don't get saved, then nothing else matters. It won't matter how much we read the Bible, how many church services we go to, how much we even pray if we're not saved. We have to know the Lord. And when we know him as our personal savior, he's our personal shepherd. He's the one that's with us every day. And we can thank him all through our lives. You know, life has its pain and it has its pleasure. It has its victory and it has its defeat, it has its success and it has its failure. But when all is said and done, God has in store for us so many great things. That's why I like Adel when he coined that phrase years ago, the best is yet to come. I mean, we have it great now, I can't imagine, but it's gonna get even better here on earth and especially when we go home to heaven. Today we're going to look at the subject, and the title of our message is Seeing the Hand of God in Our Lives. Seeing the Hand of God. You know, it's easy to see the hand of God when things are going well, and everything is upbeat and positive, and as the world expression is, hunky-dory. When it's all hunky-dory and things are going good, it's easy to say, well, God's hand is on me, it's great. But what we have to imagine and realize 
is that God's hand sometimes allows adversity and difficulty and problems and trial. And instead of allowing ourselves to be overcome by them, we can overcome those circumstances by the Lord's grace and by his help. Today we're going to look at a man I haven't spoken of in probably in a long, long time, but he is a blessing. And I was recently reading in the book of Genesis, and Ginny mentioned him on Friday when we were sharing Joseph. Joseph is one of my favorite Bible characters because he had it all. He had adversity and he had prosperity. He went to the depths of difficulty and trials, and then he was raised up to the heights of glory and splendor. And it's just a picture of the Christian life and all that we go through. And may the Lord help us today to see how much he loves us. And what I like about Joseph is he was the same in his father's house as he was in Potiphar's house. He was the same in Pharaoh's house, too. He didn't change. He was a Christian. He was a believer. He loved the Lord. And no matter what he went through, he always saw the hand of God in his life. Therefore, he didn't complain. He didn't blame others. But he took it as from the hand and heart of God. And that's what I like about it. Success didn't spoil him. Adversity didn't ruin him. He was a consistent, godly man. And that's what the Lord wants us to do, too. Not to get too high when things are going great. Not to get too low when things are going bad. But to trust God and thank him for what he's done for us. And the thing that really blessed me about the life of Joseph is he had, number one, the right attitude. Number two, he had the right perspective. And number three, he had the right outlook on life. We'd like to look, first of all, at the right attitude. What gets me into trouble in life is if my attitude is not right. If I start complaining, if I start getting upset, if I start not smiling. It's like if you see Adel not smiling, you know something's wrong. And that's true of many of us. We wear our feelings on our sleeve, as they say. You can look and read my face if I'm not happy. You can tell. But it's only the Lord that can give you the joy. Because you can't be happy all the time in the circumstances because they're not happy circumstances. There are sometimes bad circumstances happen to us. But we can have the joy of the Lord. That's why the scripture says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that joy gives us the strength to go on. I remember years ago they, they said, don't worry, be happy. Now, if you tell me don't worry and be happy, but don't tell me why I shouldn't worry and be happy, I can't, that's not going to cheer me up. But if you tell me don't worry and be happy because Jesus loves you, he's caring for you, he's going to take care of you and bring you through it, then I'm happy. That is a, is a joyful thing. But Joseph didn't have happy circumstances. He grew up in a Christian home. He had a Christian father, Christian brothers, but guess what? His brothers rejected him. They hated him. They got jealous of him. They were mad when one day he brought back a bad report to them. They were out caring for the sheep and doing their business, and they were doing some things they shouldn't be doing, which everyone does from time to time. But Joseph, innocent as he was, a young fellow, he went back to his dad. He says, Dad, they did this, this, and this. And so they heard from it that night, and they kept this in their mind. And all these things that made them very envious and jealous, and then they couldn't take it when Jacob, who loved Joseph more than all of them, made him a tunic of many colors. And he honored Joseph so much 
It says in Scripture, if you look, turn over to Genesis chapter 37. We're going to be in Genesis this morning. All the verses that you can see will be there in Genesis chapter 37. Notice what it says in verse 11. It says, and his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. You know, it's tremendous. It's amazing. Jealousy is something that's out there in the world. People get jealous of us. They sometimes hate us, and they hate our Christ. And we have to respond not with evil for evil, but for good for evil. And we're going to see from the life of Joseph, that's what he did. But in the beginning, they sold him into slavery for 20 shekels of silver. They threw him in a pit, and then they sold him to the Midianites, and off he went to Egypt. Imagine that. He had lived his life with his family all his life to that point as a young man, and then he's whisked away to Egypt. No family, no friends, no brothers and sisters, just all alone. And I'd like to think when he was in that pit, and later when he was in that caravan going to Egypt, and later on in Potiphar's house, and all these things happened to him. One thing after another after another. He's very much like Job in all the trials that he went through, one thing after another. But the thing was, God was with him, and he didn't get discouraged, and he didn't get down. And you say, how could that be? And the reason is the Lord was in his life. The Lord was vibrant in his life. He loved the Lord, and so he saw that all these things were happening for a reason, and he didn't know what that reason was. And sometimes that can get to us in life when we go through trials, and we don't know why, Lord, is this happening? Why is this happening to me? Why is it happening again? Why are you allowing this to happen in my life where I have to go through this, Lord? And yet God knows the reason. And sometimes we won't know what that reason is till we get to heaven. We really won't. But we accept the fact that whatever the circumstances happen in our life, it comes from the hand of God. Before you leave church today, on the right side by the door as you go out, you see these two hands, and it talks about the hands of Jesus. That's where our trials come from. That's where our blessings come from. Everything comes from his hand. Everything comes from his hand in our life. And that would save us a lot of misery and a lot of worry and a lot of anxiety if we realize that everything that happened to us has a purpose from God. It comes from his hand. He knows what's best, and we just have to trust in him. But it's not easy. It's not easy for me. And that's why we have to pray and give it over to the Lord. It's like that story I read in the notes that Ron gave about this man talking about anxiety. He said, well, what we did is we took all the things we were anxious about and we put them up on the refrigerator high up in this bag, all your burdens. And he says, I don't want to admit to you how many times I had to climb up there because he said, every time I started worrying about the thing I had given over to the Lord and surrendered him, I had to go up and take that thing out of the bag, search through all these things, take it out. How many times are we like that too? We give it to the Lord, say, Lord, I surrender this to you. Do what your will is. And then we start to worry and it creeps in and it starts to burden us. And the Lord wants us just to trust in him. Not easy but it can be a blessing. Someone once said, if life gives you a bunch of lemons, make lemonade. I like that. It takes a lot of sugar, though. <laughs> but that's the sweetness of Jesus, because if you take that lemon, some people like lemons, can eat them raw like that, but it's kind of bitter to me. But when you put that sugar on that lemon, it sweetens it up. 
And the Lord can sweeten the circumstances of our trial because he's with us. I love that. He's such a blessing. And Joseph is such a blessing too. Yes, we can either fight against our trials or we can surrender to them. And if we fight against it, it's never going to be good for us. The Lord wants us to have a humble attitude, a thankful attitude, a good attitude about it. Because people are listening to us. They're watching us. And we want to be a testimony for them. Just think, remember Joseph had all these dreams that he had that this, the, about the stars and bowing down and all these things. And he probably thought, what happened to all my dreams, Lord? I had all these beautiful dreams and plans of what I wanted to do. And, and now it looks like it's all shot. It's all kaput. It's gone. But what he didn't realize was God was going to fulfill his dreams and even better than he thought. And so many times in our lives when we look at our circumstances, we have to realize that it may look dark, it may look bleak now, but God has the end in mind. He has the end result, what he's going to do in my life and in your life. And that's what he looks at. He looks at your potential. Lewis, he looks at what you're going to be, what you're going to do in the future. And he's allowing those things to happen that's going to get you there. Because what's the eventual goal for every Christian? To be conformed to the image of Christ. That's amazing. To get us there, though, it takes the bumps and the bruises and the trials and the difficulties, as well as the good times and blessings, to get us to be conformed to the image of Christ. And it was no accident that when they took Joseph to Egypt, he ended up in Potiphar's house. Potiphar was the chief guard of Pharaoh, and he had a nice mansion, and he had a wife. We don't know if he had any children. They're not mentioned. But he had his wife there and all the servants. He was very rich and powerful in those days. And he took Joseph in. He says, I'm going to purchase that, that young man. And he took him in. And what he noticed right off the bat is that the Lord was with Joseph and blessed him. Look over at chapter 39 and verse 2. Genesis chapter 39 and verse 2. Actually, let's start with verse uh, 39 and verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. It's amazing. So now Joseph gets a blessing. I mean, he's there. He's in slavery. Yes, he is a slave. But now God has richly blessed him, and he has risen to a high position within Potiphar's house. And things were going good. And maybe Joseph said, well, my luck has turned. Things are going to get better. The stock market's starting to go higher now, and, and, and things are, my health is starting to feel better. That pain in, in my arm is, is dissipating, and maybe things are getting better. Then what happened is Potiphar's wife is what happened. She was an evil, wicked woman, a seductress. And day after day, not just one time or two times, but every day, she tried to seduce him. And finally, one day, she got very persistent, and he had to flee out of there, and he left his garment with her and ran outside. And there was nobody else in the house at that time. And then she said, he attacked me. 
and she accused him, falsely accused him. And we see Joseph just praying and taking it, and then Potiphar comes home, he gets angry, he takes Joseph, he takes him to the prison, and he ends up now in the prison. And now, just when he thought things were starting to get better, starting to get some blessings, now it seems to have gotten worse. And so many times in our lives when we go through these trials, sometimes it does get worse. It gets worse. Like when Moses was sent to the people of Israel and he and Aaron went and talked to Pharaoh and said, let my people go and this and that. Pharaoh got so angry that he said, okay, these people are lazy, they're idle, they want to go and worship their God, so we're going to take away all the straw that they used to have to make bricks, and we're going to have to, they have to go out and collect the stubble on their own and make the same number of bricks. And the Israelites were so down, and when they saw Moses, they said, what have you done to us? Now it's worse for us. Before they were treating us bad, but now they're treating us worse. Sometimes the trials do get worse, but God has a plan, as he did in the life of Joseph. And so Joseph didn't pout. He didn't complain. He didn't blame others. He didn't say, here I go again. Here we go again. No. He trusted God. He would rather have been falsely accused and not sin against God than he would anything else because he knew that sin was against God. Notice in chapter 39, verse 9, what Joseph said to this woman Potiphar's wife. He says, there is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Do you know, do you realize that every sin is a wickedness against God? And Joseph could have said, well, there's nobody else around. Nobody will find out. Look at me. I'm a slave. Look at me. I'm, I'm away from my father, away from my family. I'm here all by myself. God has given up on me. I might as well just... No, he didn't do that. He said, God loves me, and he's allowing this to happen, and I cannot dare do this great evil, this great wickedness and sin. That's like David when he said and he confessed in Psalm 51, 4, he said, against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Joseph had an outstanding attitude. He really did. He had an outstanding attitude. And if you give me a choice between two people, one has great aptitude and the other one has great attitude, I choose the one with the attitude because that person's teachable, that person is willing, that person will give you their all, but the person with the bad attitude will not. They may have all the talent in the world, but they don't have the good attitude. That's why Terrell Owens is going to be playing for the Buffalo Bills this year. If you know football, this man has the attitude of a cow. I mean, I could use other animals to describe him too, but <clears throat> if you look at some of these high-priced athletes, their attitudes are bad. They make tons of money. They've got great talent if you just look at it on paper, but they bring bad attitudes to the locker room. They infiltrate the whole team. They don't want that. So sometimes that's what happens. But Joseph, he, was, he had a good attitude. He didn't sin against God. The scripture says in James chapter 1 and verse 12, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life from the Lord 
who has promised it to those who love him. Joseph's name is in the hall of faith in chapter 11 of Hebrews because he faced the trials, he faced the temptation, and he didn't waver at all. And while then he's in prison, he could have been very down and discouraged as now I'm in prison and I don't know what I'm going to do, but he didn't. His attitude was still good. And the reason was God was with him. And if you look over at this chapter now in chapter 40, at the end of uh, 39, actually, in verse 22, let's start at verse 21, Genesis 39, 21 says, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Does that sound like a man who gave up and just threw in the towel and started losing it? No, he kept his attitude. And that really challenges me because some things happen to us in life and it's, it's not easy to keep our attitude good. But the way we can do it is through the word of God and through prayer and having good fellowship with each other and being encouraged with one another. We had a great scripture memory class today and Ron was sharing with us and we had good sharing about how if you come to church, you can be a blessing to somebody. And you never know, like Adam was sharing, he never knew when he was coming into the church that night that he would be a blessing to that, another person. That person said, oh, I'm so glad you were here. You really touched my heart. And so when we come to church, it's not just to get for ourselves, it's to give to others. And we can be like Joseph. We can be a blessing. Yes, the Lord was with him. His attitude was good. I read a quote that was very powerful by a man named Viktor Frankl. He was a concentration camp survivor. And he once said, everything can be taken from a man but one thing, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's way. We don't choose our circumstances, but we choose our attitude in those circumstances. One person said, misery is inevitable. Uh, pain is inevitable. Misery is optional. It's about, it's about our decision to have a good attitude and trust God. Steve Goodyear in the magazine called Quote Magazine in 1990 told the story about two birds. I think you're going to enjoy this story. It's very much a blessing. He said both the vulture and the hummingbird fly over our nation's deserts. All the vultures see is rotting meat, because that is what they look for. They thrive on that diet. Hummingbirds, on the other hand, ignore the smelly flesh of dead animals. Instead, they look for the colorful blossoms of the desert plants. The vultures live on what was. They live on the past. They fill themselves with what is dead and gone. But hummingbirds live on what is. They seek new life. They fill themselves with freshness and life. Each bird finds what it is looking for. And the man says, we all do. I ask you today, are you a vulture or are you a hummingbird? Is your attitude bad and you're looking at the bad and the negative and the dead things of this world and seeing all the bad in it? Or are you seeing it through God's eyes, God's perspective? 
And are you seeing the beautiful things of life? That's what the Lord wants us to have, a good attitude. And not only to have a good attitude, but to have a good perspective on life as well. Joseph had God's perspective. And we see in this passage in the, in the 40th chapter, there were two men in the prison that Joseph got to know. One was the chief cupbearer and the other is the chief baker. And they each had a dream on the same night and neither one of them knew what these dreams meant. And so they were very sad the next day. When Joseph saw them, he said, why are you so sad today? Well, we both had dreams and we have nobody to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, he said, are not, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell these dreams to me. And so they told their dreams and Joseph interpreted them. And one man was happy because his dream was that he was going to be restored to his position, the chief cupbearer, and once again be back in Pharaoh's good graces. But the chief baker was going to be killed. Pharaoh was not going to like it anymore. And he was going to cut him off and he was going to die. Those were the two dreams. And so when Joseph said goodbye to those men, when they were released, it happened just like he said. God gave him the interpretation. The chief cupbearer went back to his original position. He put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But the chief baker, out he went. He must have served some pretty bad food to Pharaoh. Bad food, bad food. But Pharaoh was still very angry with him after all that time. But it came to pass just as Joseph had said. So Joseph, notice what he says to the chief baker. In verse 21, it says, Then he restored the chief butler to his position again, and he replaced the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief baker did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. See, Joseph had said in verse 14, But remember me when it's well with you, and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this house. He thought, this might be my ticket out, and he couldn't wait. One day passed, two days passed, a month passed, a year passed, two years. Two more years Joseph had to spend in the prison. And he probably thought, what happened, Lord? I've been doing your will. You've been blessing me. I interpreted the dreams for both of these men. And I told this man, remember me. And he went on his merry way and forgot Joseph. God did not forget Joseph. God has a timetable. He has his will in our lives. And so many times we want things to happen in our timing. We want it now. I want to get out of this prison now, Lord. But he says, not yet, not yet. Did you ever wonder why God didn't release Joseph early? Why he didn't get out of that prison? The answer is, where would he have gone after he got out of the prison? Couldn't go back to Potiphar's house. God did not take him yet to Pharaoh's house because it wasn't ready for him yet. So he said, stay there two more years and I'm going to prepare this place for you in Pharaoh's house and you're going to be the second in command. Isn't that beautiful? And we can all relate to that because the scripture says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Our mansion's not ready yet. That's why we're still here. Joseph's place in Potiphar's house wasn't ready yet, so he stayed two more years. Again, God developing his character, working on him, growing him two more years. It's amazing. But he had the right perspective. You know, one day a chaplain 
went to visit a soldier that had lost a limb in the war. And the chaplain said this to him. He said, son, you lost an arm in a great cause. No, said the soldier with a smile. I didn't lose it. I gave it. That, my friends, is perspective. One person said, I lost the arm. The other said, I gave the arm. When Jesus came, he didn't say, I lose my life for you. He said, I give my life for you willingly. And that's what Joseph had to learn. He learned this lesson. God's purposes, God's plans come from his hand. And he knows what's best for us. It's all about his timing. Sometimes we have delays. Sometimes we have disappointments. Sometimes things are not what they seem to be. But God teaches us what's really important in life. One day when Samuel went out to anoint the new king of Israel to replace Saul, he was sent to Jesse, who had eight sons. And seven of them were home, and the eighth one was not home. But the first one looked so good. Remember the story in Samuel? Eliab, probably 6'4", 220 pounds, solid, chiseled, you know, educated, Harvard grad, you know, all that. And Samuel looked at him and he said, wow, he said, this has got to be the one. He's great, tall, dark, handsome, perfect. But the answer from the Lord was interesting to Samuel. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's the perspective we should have. We should have it when we choose a mate. We should seek God's will and not just look at the outward, look at the inward. We should seek it when we seek friends, when we look at things in life, it's what's on the inside that counts. And that's what God was doing for Joseph. You know what the scripture tells us? That Joseph was a very handsome man. He really was. But what was more handsome about him was the inside. He was more handsome on the inside than on the outside. And that's why we can appreciate it. And God wasn't finished with Joseph yet, and he's not finished with us yet either. And it tells us in Genesis 41, 15 and 16, And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Isn't that wonderful? Those dreams that happened to the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, they didn't happen by accident. God prepared Joseph so that he could interpret the dream of Pharaoh. Because he had a track record, he was then called upon to come to Pharaoh, and he interpreted the dream. But he didn't say, yeah, I did a great job interpreting those dreams, and it's been my whole life story. I'm a dreamer, and I interpret dreams. He didn't say that. He said, it's not in me. God will give the answer to Pharaoh. I love that. Everything that happens for our good and everything that we do in life that's successful, we should give glory to God. And that's the kind of perspective we should have. I love the story about Sir Christopher Wren, who was an architect over in London. Do we have Greg Collins here in our audience? There he is, architect. You're going to like this story. One day he decided that he was going to build the best cathedral London has ever seen. So he gathered all the workers together and started working on this project. And a journalist wanted to interview some of the men who were working on the project. And so he chose three of them. We'll call them Tom, Dick, and Harry. 
So he comes to Tom and he says to him, he says, what are you doing? He asked them all three the same question. What are you doing? So Tom says, I'm cutting stone for 10 shillings a day. Okay, Tom, that's interesting. Thank you very much. Then he comes to Dick. He says, well, Dick, what are you doing? He says, I'm putting in 10 hours a day working on this job. Okay, that's, that's interesting. Thank you very much. But then he comes to Harry. And Harry's the good guy here. Notice the difference between Harry's perspective and the other two. Notice what he says. So he says to Harry, Harry, what are you doing on this job? And he says, I'm helping Sir Christopher Wren construct one of London's greatest cathedrals. Now, is that a great perspective or what? One saw he's working for 10 shillings. The other one said he's putting in 10 hours a day. And this guy says, no, I'm helping doing a great work. Do you realize as children of God, we're doing a great work? We're involved with the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody can put us down. Nobody can put us to shame because we belong to Christ. We should have a good attitude and a good perspective. And we should have a good outlook on life. And later on, when Joseph rose up to be second in command over all of Egypt, and he had all this power and all this authority, he didn't blame his brothers. He didn't punish his brothers or put them in jail. He didn't do anything bad. He saw that this came from the hand of God. He says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God sent me here to keep you alive because there was famine in the land. He sent Joseph there so that the whole world, including his family, would be saved from the famine. And so he had the right outlook on life. And Joseph treated his brothers with kindness. If you look over to one of the last verses there in Genesis, chapter 50. We'll begin reading at verse 17. We'll read to 21, finish up this morning. After this, Joseph and his brothers were all there in Egypt. Jacob had passed away. They had had the funeral, and now they're coming back from the funeral, and Joseph's brothers were saying, maybe he's going to hold a grudge against us. Maybe he's going to retaliate against us. Maybe he's going to take retribution against us. We better talk to him. So it says in verse 17, Thus you shall say to Joseph, this is they're saying that what Jacob said to them, Please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and their sins, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespasses of the servants of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. So they're telling him this story. We don't know if Jacob ever said that. I have a feeling he didn't. They're using these words, though, to try to protect themselves from any harm. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. I love that. It says he spoke kindly to them. What's the title of our scripture memory class these days? Kindness. You know, if I was Joseph, the very first person I would really take retribution against, Potiphar's wife. Oh, man. Potiphar's wife. I'm going to say, okay, for every day I spend in that jail, you're going to spend two days in that jail. Didn't do it. 
Then he could, have got, he could have held a grudge against Potiphar, and he says, well, you listened to your wife, and you know how bad a woman she was, and you still put me in that jail. You're going to go and spend time in that jail also. Didn't do it. He didn't do it. He didn't do that to his brothers. He didn't do it to anyone. What a great lesson to learn from the Lord. Do good to others. Forgive others. It's not easy, but God gives us the grace. If he could forgive you and me of our sin, we should be willing to forgive others as well. So may the Lord encourage us to remember the lives of Joseph. It's so beautiful. He had the right attitude, a good attitude, a godly attitude, a thankful spirit. He was willing to accept whatever God brought into his life, knowing that in the end it would be good. And it wasn't good. He started off in the pit and ended up in the palace, ruling over all Egypt with Pharaoh. What a blessing. God knows what he's doing in our lives. We just have to trust him one day at a time. And we have to have the right perspective to see life from God's angle, from, through God's eyesight. And when we do that, we'll be comforted. And then he wants us to have the right outlook on life, that this earth is not what it's all about. This is not where we're going to end up. This is our temporary home away from home. Heaven is home. And until we get there, may the Lord help us to be like Joseph, to learn and grow and thank him for what he allows in, his life, in our lives. Everything comes from the hand of God. And when we see that, it just gives us such an assurance and such a comfort. And I just ask you today, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can't do that. You can't have a right attitude. You can't have a right perspective. You can't have the right outlook. But when you get saved and you experience eternal life, you accept Jesus as your personal Savior, he'll give you a new life, and you will be able to go through these things with God's help and power. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Father, we just thank you so much for the life of Joseph, Lord. We're so touched by him. He was such a godly man. He suffered so much. He went through so many trials. And like Jenny sang in that song, it's just a little while longer, Lord. We have to hang in there because you're coming back. But until then, Lord, please grow us. Please use the trials and difficulties in our lives to mold us into the image of Christ and to make us those vessels those servants that you want us to be. Lord, help us not to shrink away from those trials, but to thank you for everything. And when you give us blessings, Lord, help us not to take them for granted, but whether in adversity or in prosperity, Lord, help us to give you thanks and obey you, Lord. We just thank you and praise you for this time. In Jesus' name.